Welcome to the Utah Podcopalians. Now, this is a podcast about what's unique about our church, and not only what's unique about our church, but what's unique about our church in this unique land that we call Utah. And when you talk about Utah and you talk about the Episcopal Church, I say you can't use the word unique too much. It just is what we are. And one of those things that we aren't totally unique at is our celebration of the seasons, the liturgical calendar. But probably, if you were to ask the average Episcopalian, what can you agree on? And there's probably one thing we can agree on, and that is that Lent is probably our least favorite season. It's because we have just had a bleak winter, a terrible winter like we've had now. We're looking forward to flowers starting to come up and all that. And what do we do? We take the flowers out of our church. We put in wormwood furnishings for to put our books on. And we slow down the music. We don't have happy springtime music. And we call it the season of Lent. So to bring us back up to answer all these questions, we have the Reverend Trace Browning, who is the rector of All Saints Church in Salt Lake City on Foothill Drive, a beautiful church, one that you ought to stop on by, particularly during Lent, so that you can have your questions answered like we're going to. So welcome, welcome. And I want to start right out by saying, am I wrong that Lent is our least favored season? Uh, well, first of all, uh, thanks uh, for having me here, and thank you for the welcome. Uh, I, I think uh, a whole lot of people would say Lent probably is their least favorite season. It's more penitential, it's more somber, uh, the church uh, furnishings, the music, all of that is more somber. Um, so, um, but it, 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 serves, it serves a purpose, and it's actually, I, I think, an important part of our our spiritual life. But yeah, yeah, you're probably right. No one gets happy and excited for Lent to come the way they might for Advent, which looks forward to uh, the nativity of, of Christ at Christmas. So uh, yeah, Lent has its own flavor, but but its own purpose, its own uh, meaning uh, that I think can be really beneficial for us as Christians. What is the meaning of Lent? And I know that's kind of like the meaning of life, but is more you you use the word that it's uh reflective you can use the word that it becomes uh part of what we have to learn before we learn about uh the resurrection which is what would come up in in easter but what is the meaning of lent and and how does it fit into our calendar historically and practically yeah yeah, good question. Um, so Lent is, uh, at its uh, foundational level, it's a preparation for Easter. So Easter always happens in the spring. It's tied to uh, the Jewish season of, of Passover, the, the holy day of, of, of Passover. Um, and so we, early on in the church, I mean, from the very first uh, of the church, the church started to celebrate Easter as a a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And so because that took place on a Sunday, every every Sunday in the church year is a feast day, a little Easter, if you will. Uh, but then 
the the big Easter day that came around every year, um, that would be a day for new members to be baptized, and so there would be a series of preparation for them to do that. And then the whole church kind of took on this notion of we need to pay attention to our spiritual lives, pay attention to how we are with God, uh, so that we will be ready and uh, prepared for the big celebration of Easter. So um, what the church did is uh, it it took uh, the number 40, which is found throughout the Bible. I always say if someone asks you a, a biblical question saying, what's the number? First guess should always be 40 because you find it all over. Uh, stories of Moses fasting 40 days, Elijah fasting 40 days, and then uh, for us Christians, uh, Jesus spending 40 days uh, in the wilderness to be tempted. So the church set aside 40 days uh, prior to Easter for this season of, of Lent, of preparation. Um, and that starts on Ash Wednesday. Interestingly enough, the, the Sundays don't count in that 40 uh, because they're a feast day. They're, they're a celebration of, of the resurrection. So from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, not counting Sundays, is 40 days. And so the, the whole church was was encouraged to, to uh, have the season be a time of reflection, of uh, repentance in areas of their life that they need to turn around to re-examine. Um, and like uh, the fasts of Jesus in the Bible, many people would incorporate some kind of fast into their Lenten practice, fasting one day a week. Uh, and, you know, in the Roman Catholic tradition, it was to, to not have meat for Lent. Uh, and uh, so, so the fasting became part of it, uh, but also uh, maybe taking on certain things, um, uh, reading, times for prayer, for scripture reading, uh, acts of service to others. So, um, yeah, the, the reason why I like Lent, uh, and I do, I, I like Lent, uh, it, it's, that, it's that time when uh, we're encouraged to say, how, how are you and God doing? Where are you and God? Uh, do you need to be more intentional with how you're spending time um, on your own, with others, with God? So. Um, yeah, so that's how I see Lent and 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 what what it can mean in the life of individual Christians and and the whole church um, is is kind of to to reflect on this for this season. What do you say to people that uh, come up to you, whether they're your parishioners or people that see um, that you're a priest, notice that you have a collar, and they immediately say they're going to give up chocolate or the, whatever they're, they're giving up or what should I give up? Um, and I know it becomes almost a joke uh, that I'm going to give up chocolate or some say I'm going to give up church for Lent or whatever. Right, but, right. But, um, that's the, probably the improper thing to be thinking of Lent as a time to give up. Is that right? Yeah, uh, so you you mentioned it's it's kind of a joke. Uh, I remember when I was at seminary, there was a an old professor uh, who taught Old Testament, just this wise old gentle man, uh, an Episcopal priest. And one time we're at lunch, and someone said, uh, "Professor, what are you giving up for Lent?" 
And he said, arson and armed robbery. What what are you giving up? Candy? You know, so, uh, yeah, it, it is kind of a joke. We, we uh, <laughs> this idea of giving up chocolate. Um, I, you know, when the readings for Ash Wednesday have Jesus talking about uh, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, uh, you don't need to do it publicly. You don't do it just to follow the, the letter of the religious law. Do it quietly, because his main point is uh, these practices of prayer, of fasting, I would say of giving something up. Um, the bigger question is, where is your heart being given in this? Are you doing this out of out of devotion to God, out of seeking God in your life? So, um, yeah. So for chocolate, you know, my follow up question would be, well, why why chocolate? Um, it, you know, I mean that that just kind of seems something to check off a list. Uh, and I think the deeper question would be, what can I give up to turn my mind towards God, to turn my heart towards God? You know, all all religions, all of the major religions. Uh, incorporate some uh, fasting. Uh, that's, I mean, that's Islam, that's Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism. Um, and I remember once uh, hearing a, a Muslim teacher say, you know, for them, the Ramadan fast is every time I feel little pangs of hunger, I, I think what truly sustains me is not food, but Allah, but God. Uh, and also to remember when I feel that hunger, that there are people who are hungry, not of their own choosing. You know, there are people who are poor, that are needy. So to turn my heart and perhaps my service towards them, um, that kind of fast makes sense because it it takes me outside of myself. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, sweets or chocolate, that's that's common still. But uh, I would always want to know what's what's underneath that. What's what's driving that? Um, and, and same thing with with taking in the more recent years, you'll hear a lot of priests uh, in the Episcopal Church talk about taking something on for Lent. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is to to be a corrective saying we're not just, you know, giving up chocolate or, you know, church, hopefully not. Uh, but but what do I take on uh, again? So I'm living a little more intentionally uh, during this season. Um so, but it's very, it, it, you know, it's it's individual, and I I actually, usually the Sunday before Lent, before Ash Wednesday, I encourage people start thinking about Lent now. So when Ash Wednesday come, you have you've put some thought and some prayer into it. How am I going to devote myself to the season of Lent? Devote myself to God. Well, how do you um, suggest you devote yourself to God? I mean, as a congregation. Is it your desire to take on a project, a service project, perhaps? So is it your desire that we should individually uh, maybe pray the colics of, that come up each Sunday? Or what What are some of the things now, and we have a lot of new members that um, this might be their first or second season of Lent that they've experienced, and, and they're looking for that meaningful thing to do either individually as a family, as a group, what do you recommend? Yeah, um, so uh, as a church, there are things we do to, just as a reminder, when people come to church during the season, that this is Lent. So the the color of the vestments and the altar hangings and all that, 
typically a, a deep purple. Some churches use an unbleached linen color. Again, very simple, not uh, uh, bright and colorful. If there's any crosses, especially if they're uh, more decorative crosses uh, or a cross with the uh, Christ the King uh, on them, they're typically veiled during Lent. Uh, so that kind of that celebratory cross or focus is, is veiled during Lent. And then like here at All Saints and what other churches do, we, we put the confession right at the beginning of of our, our liturgy. Um, it's called the penitential order. We we go through the Ten Commandments and then we have the confession to just say this is what we're this is what we need to be mindful of this season. And again, then the, through the preaching, we do different prayers of the people during Lent. Um, so we do uh, the 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 songs, the music uh, is are a little more somber. So as a church, there's things we do. Uh, also, typically, uh, we'll do some kind of midweek study. Uh, in fact, pre-COVID, we did that every year. Once a week during Lent, we'd, we'd have a simple supper, again, very simple soup, bread that, that people bring, and then we'd have some kind of study on a religious book, uh, a scripture study, Bible study. Uh, again, so there's another opportunity as a community for us to to gather to, to, together uh, for prayer, for reflection, for um, for study, and then individually, um, you know, there's a lot of resources that that you know now it's nice because people can go online uh, and find a lot of resources or through the Episcopal Church daily devotions for Lent, um, even the like we have a little. The Episcopal Church called Forward Day by Day, which lists the scripture readings and then reflection. Those always re reflect the Lenten themes uh, found in the scriptures during that season. So, um, yeah, there there are a number of opportunities. Um, some are very individualistic, you know, what you decide to do, but then the church tries to model that as as well. Um, um, so, oh, another thing we do as a church is during Lent, we uh, we begin our worship a little different. You know, typically there's a prelude, and then the opening hymn starts, and everybody processes in from the back. During Lent, we, we start uh, where all the ministers and the choir are in place, and then there's a prelude, a couple minutes of silence, and then we begin out of that silence. Again, to reflect that this season is different. Um, you know, and, and part of making this season different is uh, so when Easter comes, you know, you haven't said Alleluia for 40 days. You haven't had celebratory music for 40 days. It's a big deal. Uh, you know, when the bells ring and the organ blares out on, on Easter morning, it's it's a celebration. It, it certainly is. Um, you know, it's interesting when we when we study the Bible, we study the Gospels, um, and you you take a look at the Christmas season, and even one of the Gospels leaves that out. You know, it doesn't start with the birth of Christ, but yet, right. but yet the uh, temptation of Christ and the the typical Lenten messages are are very prominent in all of our Gospels. Um, yes, and so Lent was that reflective time was very important to the Christ. What is your favorite story or part of uh, one of the gospels that um, is read during Lent, but also reflects on Jesus's um, 
trials, tribulations during Lent. What what's one of the um, stories that you particularly like and that you would like to see people reflect upon? Yeah, you know, um, the first Sunday in Lent is always about uh, the temptation of of Jesus, okay. and um, what I find so interesting is is you read the Gospels. So right after, or right when Jesus is baptized, the voice from the heaven, the voice of God comes and said this is my son, with you I am well pleased, uh, you are my beloved, you are my, my, my child, with you I'm well pleased, and that's declared boldly, and uh, I believe Jesus firmly and completely believes that, and responds to that, that that's how he lives out the rest of his life, knowing he's God's beloved, uh, God's child, so uh, that happens, um, and by the way, I, I would say everyone's baptism tells them that. Uh, baptism is a declaration, you are God's beloved. You're forgiven, you're loved, you're called by God, uh, you are God's child. So uh, what's interesting, the temptation, so Jesus goes out into the wilderness, and then uh, the devil comes, Satan comes, and says, if you are the son of God, do this. I, I, I mean, the temptation is for him not to believe who he is, and who God has declared him to be. Uh, and to me, I, I find that that's so insightful. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I almost can hear Jesus thinking in his head, I know I'm God's beloved. I know I'm God's child. The heavens opened, <laughs> and that was declared to me and those around me. And you want me not to believe that. So that gave him uh, such, such strength. You know, uh, it's in a different setting, there's the there's the uh, fairy tale of uh, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and Snow White was known to be the most fair, the most beautiful in all the kingdom. In all the kingdom, um, that was the whole thing with the the stepmother, you know, knowing she's no longer the, the most beautiful, so. She wants to kill uh, Snow White. So when the stepmother comes to tempt Snow White, um, it, it's tempting her not to believe who she is. Here's a comb for your hair that will make you beautiful. Like, well, she's already the most beautiful. Why, why should she? Be, but, you know, here's an apple. Take this and it will make you young and beautiful. Here's So it's we each have our our own temptations to say, don't believe who God has declared you to be. So, um, you know, the temptation story of Jesus is yeah. is unique, and the temptations were unique to him, but we all have our own temptations to to pull us away from from who God wants us to know we are, who we were created to be. So, um, you know, there's a good reason why that starts every Lent with the temptation story, um, you know, and then and then you get to... Uh, uh, I know that there's a lot, a lot of great stories. This coming Sunday is Nicodemus uh, asking, um, who's who's a great teacher in in Israel, and uh, Jesus said, "You you must be born again, or born of the Spirit, or born from above." And Nicodemus, this great teacher, doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. You mean a person has to go into their mother's womb a second time? This this great teacher said. And Jesus said, no, you, 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 let you me explain. You don't get it. Let me explain a little further, which is also uh, 
you know, we we need to bring this childlike openness to hear to hear the good news, uh, to let the spirit come into our life. So, um, yeah, there's uh, there's some wonderful stories. Those are those are two of my favorite as as we enter into Lent. Well, I can say in temptation, nobody's tempted me by offering a comb. <laughs> I have not had that ever happen. I can assure you. You know, as you've been talking, and I and I think back to our original um, uh, comment we made that the ornamentation is disappears from the uh, various congregations, and and it, you really do feel the presence of the Lord. In that, and I, and I was just thinking, uh, recalling back to an opportunity I had to stand in the middle of the Judea desert in Israel. And I mean, if you want to look, that's like standing in a Walmart parking lot. It is um, just this very, very plain, not like the desert of southern Utah. You you see nothing for miles and miles, but this very hard surface. Now, actually, if you stand in the middle, you can begin to see the outskirts of Jerusalem on one side and the outskirts mm. of Jericho on the other. But you're in this very plain place. And I was thinking in all of Israel is probably where I felt the presence of the Lord the most is in that most absolute, absolute um, uh, common, obscure, totally without any ornamentation, without a tree without any living thing. So the purpose of Lent is it becomes where we do see the Lord, I think perhaps more than we do in other parts there. Um, what do you think that uh, by the time a person's done with the Lent, and I'm not talking about Holy Week, which has its own special services, starting with Palm Sunday, et cetera, but what do you hope that your parishioners will be feeling by the time they hit that this Sunday in Lent? Yeah. Uh, first of all, your comments about the Holy Land. Uh, uh, boy, I, I had the chance to go there in 98, so it's been quite a while. Uh, but you're right. There's so many places that are now commercialized, built up. And there are, there are some beautiful churches, some of them very inspiring. But for me, I was like you, Craig, that the, the couple of the places... Uh, like in the desert and the wilderness, it is bare. It's not yeah. beautiful red rock in formation. It is bare. Uh, <laughs> or, or on the Sea of Galilee, where you can look and only see uh, the the lake and the the hillsides. I mean, there's things, buildings, and things you can see, but but you sense this is this is the land that it must have looked like and felt like two thousand years ago, four thousand years ago. Um, so. Uh, which kind of gets me to, to your, your question, you know, there's something about a wilderness time. Um, you know, Israel spent time in the wilderness before they entered the Holy Land. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, uh, fasting and praying. And Lent is a kind of wilderness, kind of stripped down uh, some of the things that don't matter, at least for this season. And, and I think that's part of fasting too. Can I give up things that don't really matter so I can pay attention to what does? And in, in the wilderness, you you notice things more like like you did in the desert, like like I did in, in, in that desert place. Um, 
So my hope is for parishioners to maybe slow down their own lives, see how the church has slowed down a little bit in our liturgy and worship, um, so that there's a little more space to notice God, to become aware of God. Um, you know, and that, that that's one of the things about prayer or or silence and meditation is it's not to achieve anything. It's just to sit and be still and and know you are in God's presence. Um, so that that's that's kind of my prayer for people during Lent. You know, that that great psalm, be still and know that I am God. And there's some things I think we only understand or or begin to understand if if there's enough space and uh, and stillness uh, uh, about us um and and lent can at least try to give people a little taste of that an encouragement to to make those spaces in their own life it's a fascinating journey and 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 it really is the time when we view the bible when we view the gospels definitely as a journey i mean and we oh yes the the teachings of christ which were certainly on the road and and in lent they're not only on the road they're off road even and and it's kind of that uh, that opportunity and, it, and yeah go ahead and i was gonna say you know in in the book of acts there's a few places where the christian church is referred to as the way um you know uh Paul, when he was still named Saul, he was he was persecuting those who belonged to the way. Um, and I, I love that description for the church because it it is we're on this journey. It's not just to be baptized, say I I accept Jesus and I'm done. Uh, no, it, it's this journey. And we see the journey of Jesus and the disciples and uh, and the church needs to remember we're called to the same to the same. We're called to this way uh of 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 jesus and and lent's a good time to to get a reminder of that of our journey and i know our journey of, through the podcast is about over and we always like to leave the final question for brianna who's carefully been recording this and editing this so that it it makes it onto the web in a way that uh becomes part of the journey too that's part of it the editing the processing and while you've been listening, any thoughts, questions you have, Brianna? Yeah, I, we talked about how, you know, Lent ends with Easter, but we've also got the week of Holy Week leading up to Easter, which has my personal favorite service, Monday, Thursday. So can you touch on what Holy Week is just briefly so we know what we have to look forward to that last week? Yes, yeah. So Lent, uh, Lent is this journey of 40 days. But those last seven days are really the culmination of Lent. And I like to think of it, if if we've tried, not that we're called to be perfect, but if we try a little more faithfully to journey through Lent, I think we'll be that more uh, open to where the Spirit moves during Holy Week and then, then Easter. So Holy Week, again, traces the journey of Jesus in his last days, mm -hmm. uh, the entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Um and then the journey of uh, knowing that he would be betrayed uh, and turned over to the authorities and knowing his death was approaching, he shares that last meal with his disciples and does this beautiful, uh, touching act of, of love and service to wash their feet. Um, 
you know, that even surprised the disciples. And Peter said, no, no, thank you, Lord. You don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, no, you, you need to receive this. You need to receive this. Uh, and then offer this kind of humble service to others. Uh, and then it traces, of course, Good Friday, the day of the resurrection, um, Holy Saturday, which is just a day of quiet. I mean, nothing happens in the church on Saturday, the day when when Christ's body was in the tomb. And then, of course, the big uh, celebration on, on Easter. Uh, most, you know, all priests that I know, and myself included, we always encourage uh, parishioners, come to as many Holy Week services as you can, because it's just, it is, otherwise you get the jump from Palm Sunday to, to Easter day, and you, you miss out on that journey. You do. Um, and, and the services, especially on uh, Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, really mark that, that journey uh, and allows us to participate in that. We got a lot to look forward to and a lot that we're going to learn from. And we never even got to the Easter vigil. And uh, so we have so much and and uh, so much to talk about later. But uh, it, it is been fascinating to hear your look at Lent because um, maybe we've done a lot to say, you know, it's not such a bad season after all. And uh, yes. I think that was that was our purpose. And you fulfilled that great. And that's one of the things about our unique church. And again, why we look at it on the Utah Pod Capalians. And we hope that uh, you've gained something from that to reflect on this season of Lent. And we'll be talking about Easter, I know, a little bit later on. And look forward to all that on the Utah Pod Capalians. Thanks a lot for listening. And for the Diocese of Utah, I'm Craig Wirth, along with the Reverend Trace Browning, who's the rector of All Saints. If I can remember, 1710 Foothill, right? That is correct. My yes. gosh. Yes. You know, it's one of the few addresses that I'll always <laughs> remember. And, uh, you know, it has a special place in my heart, too, because my brother had been the rector there for many years. Yes. And Brianna, who uh, has served that church, too, All Saints. And so for all of us, thanks a lot for listening. And may it be a reflective lamp. Thank you.